0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back. This is John Sadak. While you were away, we had a mound visit, and it looks like they might be making a change. Yep, yep, they're going to the lefty in the bullpen. It's Southpaw Sizzle. Here comes Stephen Offenbaker.
1: Welcome into another edition of the lefty in the bullpen. This is our first one for 2023. I am host Stephen Offenbaker. We are the lefty in the bullpen. This is the conversation segment of the Locked on Reds podcast. We are part of the Locked on Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, That was the voice of John Sadak, and it's exciting because the first guest of the 2023 season is in fact the one and only John Sadak, the play-by-play voice, the television voice of the Cincinnati Reds. John, how are you doing, my friend?
0: I am great. You cannot be doing better uh, than we all are right now, basking in the glow of what is uh, a tremendous string of success, the best winning streak for this franchise in almost 70 years.
1: You know, we're let's start right there. As we're recording, the Reds are riding an 11-game winning streak. They're in first place in the National League Central, and you get to go to the ballpark and be around these guys and call these games each and every day. What's it like going to work for you right now?
0: Oh, it's the best. I mean, game day is always a great day, no matter what. Whether you're winning or losing, the idea of just watching a ball game—period—much less that you know. That's my job. I actually get to make my living doing it It is a dream come true. Uh, But this team, not just winning. I mean, winning, yes, of course, is is a highly addictive feeling and sensation. But they're really entertaining. This is a fun team. They are winning in thrilling, compelling ways.
1: You know, let's let's talk about some of the guys on this team, because last time you were on this show, you and I got together during spring training. You were out in Goodyear and the narrative surrounding this team was very different than the narrative surrounding this team right now. We thought the Reds were going to be a team that had uh, some excellent starting pitching but was trying to find itself. We'll be trying to bring these youngsters along to get them ready for some future playoff run, say in 2024, maybe as late as 2025. Nobody was really talking about this team as a division leader. You know, Jeff and I had both said, they could be one of those teams that stumbled their way into the final wild card spot. Maybe if a lot of things went their way, but here they are leading the national league central. So let's talk about some of the guys that got them here. And let's start with Spencer steer because he was the one that's really been around since the beginning of the season. You know, he got that late season cup of coffee last year and hit the ground running in consideration for rookie of the year.
0: Very much. So yeah. Uh, Spencer steer has a tremendous two strike discipline, uh, he is selectively aggressive, but he has a keen feel for the strike zone. He knows how to fight off pitches. He has sneaky power. He's been incredibly clutch, even though his spot in the lineup has floated some uh, as the roster has changed over the course of the year. Uh, but he and Jonathan India have kind of been neck and neck and trading spots here and there for the team leading go-ahead RBIs. He, he has delivered in a lot of the biggest spots while also helping at first base. Yeah, you know, Joey Votto obviously suffered his issues coming off the surgery and rehab, wasn't a part of the puzzle to begin the year. Will Myers was not very productive and then also had his own concern on the IL. And then Steer was able to fill in at first base, play really well, scoop some throws that I think could have gotten away in some other circumstances um, while being a very steady, steady personality on this team. And he's also pretty athletic. I, I think that's a common refrain for many of these younger players in particular, yeah, he's just outside of the 80th percentile in sprint speed. And he's part of the puzzle in terms of the aggressive base running that includes base stealing and also just trying to grab extra bags and score in situations where most wouldn't.
1: You bring up Jonathan India, and it's so funny to me to talk about Jonathan India as a grizzled veteran on this team, as the team leader, but yet here we are. This is a guy just in his third year Uh, That's been through a lot of things in his first two years. Obviously, uh, a starter right away his rookie season wins the rookie of the year comes back in his sophomore year and tries to be a guy that he may not necessarily be in a a power hitting second baseman uh, figures all of that out makes the adjustments coming off injury and finds himself being really the, the leader of this team.
0: He does. I mean, he's always possessed, I think, those leadership characteristics in his personality. Um, he is a guy that that players, that fans flock to and and follow. There's a coolness and a confidence and a hard way that he tends to play the game, uh, that we can see domino out in every other player that is on this team this year. Uh, but I think you bring up a good point. You know, last year, he did come in heavier. He wanted to hit for more power. Um, and injury followed you know he and Tyler Stevenson both were expected to be kind of a younger nucleus of last year's lineup and both had their seasons ravaged by injury Uh, but India made every correct adjustment Uh, he he got faster he got leaner Uh, in the beginning of the year he filled that leadoff role great and now he's nestled into that usual third position in the order something that Barry Larkin had been uh, kind of clamoring for for a week or two before it happened, and he believes he is just now really finding his groove as a run producer. And we saw that when through the road trip, uh, you know, the long road trip that included the sweep at Houston that ignited this long win streak. He had some big, big extra base knocks. He had he led the team in homers during that time and, and produced a lot of big ribbies with men on base.
1: We've seen him demonstrate leadership in a few different ways, at least on television broadcasts while we're watching games. We've seen Jonathan India stroll over to the pitcher's mound and talk to a a pitcher on occasion when things aren't quite going their way. We've seen him talk around the infield, uh, helping to get guys set and, and make sure they understand what's going on situationally. You get to be in this clubhouse. You get to be around this team every day. Do you see other examples of Jonathan India leading, not so much with a camera pointed on him?
0: Yeah, I think there's always uh, instances of that, uh, but he's not someone that, you know, camera or not that does it for the attention. Uh, I think a lot of it comes in an even more secure environment than when media availability is allowed in the clubhouse. And there's a clear and present respect factor that he has among all of his teammates. Um, And and, and I think his leadership, number one is by example. He's not a big rah-rah, like, stand in the center of the room and yell at everybody kind of guy. That's not been my impression, Uh, but he very much is i I'm going to play super hard. I'm going to practice hard. I'm going to play through pain. Uh, How many times do we see him, you know, get spiked at second base or have a pitch hit him in a rough spot. And he finds a way to power through. He finds a way to make sure he's in the lineup. He's the only red to play in every single game this year. And I think that's pretty powerful leadership.
1: we, Look at these guys, and we expected, especially based on what Jonathan said during spring training, we expected him to be a leader. We also were looking towards Tyler Stevenson to be uh, a major impactful player on this team, both uh, just his presence in the lineup, uh, his presence behind the plate, and his presence in the clubhouse. Uh, A lot of what the Reds were trying to do surrounded this three-catcher plan that they rolled out in spring training. And that was going to be to have Tyler Stevenson catch a certain number of days, play first base, a certain number of days, DH a certain number of days. Uh, They quickly moved off of that plan. And, and Tyler also really seemed to struggle at times at the plate seems to be finding himself now a little bit uh, seen a lot more, you know, pop pop in his bat for lack of a better way to describe that. But the three catcher plan remains in that there's still three catchers on this roster. And there's a lot of clamoring in the fan base. There's a lot, uh, it's a lot easier to follow minor league baseball nowadays with the video feeds being available on MLB TV, et cetera. Uh, Everybody wants to see Christian Encarnacion strand. Everybody wants CES to be called up. And at some point in time, you would think that the Reds are going to have to move him up. He's really still continuing to just play amazing baseball at the triple A level the luxury of a three catcher system may be going away. Can you see a scenario where they're going to have to cut a Kurt Casale or a Luke Mailey? And I would tend to think it would be Casale before Mailey in order to make room for one of these young guys coming up.
0: Well, first of all, they would not cut any of them because they're all tradable. If your decision was to try to move on from the three catcher system to liberate that roster spot, you would get value. You will have suitors for any one of the reds catchers. Um, And I think the Reds are a team that learned that kind of the hard way last year when they went through uh, a record-level amount of catchers during the course of the year and realized the lack of catching depth that exists out there in the baseball world. Um, Yeah, it's going to happen, I think, eventually. I think, barring injury, Christian Encarnacion-Strand is going to be a big leaguer. And I would think sooner than later. But these are good team problems. You know, good team problems are – you don't have enough spots for the number of major league caliber players that you have. Uh, the Reds just sent Stuart Fairchild down. Assuming Graham Ashcraft gets activated this weekend to start against the Braves, they're going to have to make another roster move. Um, that's that, that's a good issue to have for this Reds team. Uh, when exactly? I have no idea. Uh, that That's a really tough question. Um, I think you also have to consider that this pitching staff probably needs help they are second to last in baseball in starting era nick lodolo is out until at this point we believe august hunter green is an unknown at last check he was getting a second opinion that's something we'll be asking about over the course of this weekend and a follow-up to what a timeline is what a deeper diagnosis would be for his situation what will graham be when he comes back i hope it's what he showed before he got hurt where he was working more lower third. He took something off of his stuff, but it still played really well, and he could build back to be the dominant man we know he's very capable of. Uh, but until then, you know, having catching depth helps a lot. It, it provides a position of strength that I don't think you can fully realize in the trade market until you get closer to the deadline. Uh, for everything in the universe, man, there's a give and a take. And you know part of the give and take of these expanded playoffs – the reds team from 2 years ago would have been a playoff team. They they wouldn't have collapsed and been on the outside looking in. They would have been in as a wild card team. The downside to that is I believe what we're seeing is teams are going to be much uh stingier when they're dealing with trades because more teams believe they're in it. More teams are in it. So they don't have the same uh compelling drive to you know, shell off certain pieces of their team that they're not committed to on a long term basis and try to flip that into something for a future return. They're going to demand more. They're going to demand perhaps even more present day immediate value. Um, and if I'm the Reds, I-, I do not want to trade any of the major prospects. Do um, you want to trade and make the team better? Yes. But I think to leverage value fully, you're probably going to have to wait until closer to the deadline. And I think that's just one part of a very complicated puzzle for how the timeline will evolve on that.
1: If the Reds are to actually have a catcher to spare, I guess, and, and, and I totally hear what you're saying about trading away major league talent, but Tyler Stevenson's going to have to continue to progress much as he's been over the last several weeks. So he came on this show uh, during the off season and had a lot of good things to say about what his approach was going to be and coming off of that injury. And it, it seems that he was just slow in coming around. It, I, it doesn't strike me. Uh, uh, he didn't strike me uh, watching him this season as a player that was still battling that injury. I, I, it looked like some timing issues. It looked like some just finding his way issues. What have you seen in him and what are you seeing right now? Because it really does seem that he's coming around.
0: Yeah, I think his last three weeks, he's looked a lot more like himself. He's been going to all fields. We have seen more power, even on some of the singles that have been harder hit. Um, You know, he's hitting as low in the order as he ever has in the big leagues. And that's another good thing that's happening with this deepening of the roster and the lengthening of the lineup. You have a guy like Tyler Stevenson hitting seventh or eighth in many of the best iterations of what this Reds lineup is. Um, he didn't quite look like himself. He didn't look comfortable. I would agree that his timing looked off. Um, it was a little eye opening how many times he went down looking at hittable fastballs. Uh, I think we saw the league generally pound him in way, way more, particularly with fastballs and he's a natural opposite way hitter. Um, At times, it looked like he was trying to turn on those pitches and trying to hit them for power. Um, At other times, it looked like he was trying to lay off those pitches. At times, it looked like he was getting jammed by those pitches. And, uh, and, And I think it's really hard to hit at a big league level. In many ways, I think we also have to recognize that it's very common for major league players that have fairly instant success in their first year to struggle some their second year as the league makes adjustments to them and they have to adjust back. This is in many ways his second year. You know, he had a taste in 20, but it was a a tiny sliver in what was a shortened season by COVID. 21 was his real first year, and he played incredibly well. was a high-contact catcher who had a knack for big moments, particularly men in scoring position, two-out, two-strike moments. And then last year, he was hitting really well by average, and he got hurt. He only played a third of the season. He had a limited number of at-bats. He suffered multiple injuries within the course of that year. This is really his second full season. And it's kind of normal for a hitter to go through what he has gone through. I would also say, as he's come around, when has that come? In the last three to four weeks? That's the team is winning more because the lineup is better. He has more lineup protection. He's not the number one or number two scout for the opponent. And so I think all of these Reds are helping and benefiting from each other because as the lineup gets better, it's progressively a little easier for each one of them because they're shielded by their respective teammates.
1: There's been a youth infusion uh, basically since the Colorado series at Colorado when Matt McClain came up. Uh, I had the good fortune of interviewing Matt McClain last year when he was still in Chattanooga. And during that interview, uh, I asked him, you know, the Reds have a lot of talent They all play the same positions. People are going to have to move around. You know, what position do you play? And before I even finished asking the question, he was saying shortstop. Like he was answering it before I even finished. And then he went on to tell me that, you know, what he was going to try and do was to continue to refine his game, get better at, you know, recognizing pitches, cut down his strikeouts. He believed the power would come and he outlined a list of things he was going to do. And it's exactly what he did. And it's resulted in the guy that we see now, uh, his surge onto the major league level, very quickly named National League Player of the Week after being called up. Ah, uh, he's been he's been quite a gamer right out of the gate. Uh, just talk a little bit about his infusion of energy into the team and what you've seen from him so far.
0: I think he's been as advertised, and I would echo a lot of what you're saying. Uh, he's very athletic. He has a knack for triples, which is uh, even more eyebrow-raising considering that the Reds' home ballpark is arguably the least triples-friendly stadium in Major League Baseball by virtue of its dimension. Um, He's been an impactful defender. The Reds defensive metrics have improved and they started improving most significantly when Matt McLean arrived and they've dominoed up even more uh, as other young talented players have come to this team. Uh, But the infield in particular, the Reds ability to turn ground balls into outs is not very strong and it's gotten better and better and better. And he was the first major piece that started to improve that. Um, I think he has a very mature approach at the plate. And and I would also like to underscore something that you pointed out, that he he had the select goals in mind and that for the most part, he has achieved them in a fairly compact span of time. And has done so even at the big league level. Uh, That's what stands out to me the most about what the Reds have done to achieve to this point. It's, we knew they had very talented young players. They were a top five farm system in baseball before the year. What we didn't know is that this many young players would get here this quickly. I did not expect that. And that they would perform as well as they have pretty much right out of the gate. Normally there is an adjustment period for even the most talented of players. And for the most part, all these young guys, Abbott, De La Cruz, McLean, Steer is a young guy who still qualifies as a rookie, have really hit the ground running. Um, It's so rare... uh, every player knows what their respective strengths and weaknesses are and organizations know what they are and they make recommendations to the player generally follows all of them yes i want to focus on a b and c the game is hard you don't often just turn the light switch and all of a sudden you fix all of it and uh where we've seen that perhaps most profoundly is in the cut down of strikeout rate and chase rate just general swinging at bad pitches increase of walk rate while still being aggressive with power. And that's something we've seen from McLean, from De La Cruz, that Christian Encarnacion-Strand has shown at AAA. Uh, that's really rare and really hard, uh, let alone the idea that they are as blossomed and as fairly flush, filled out of players as they've been already. And I, I think they're all likely to to at least have the potential to improve. Yeah, you know, when I would talk to scouts in my many years in the minors and I was fortunate to be associated with organizations and teams that had a lot of prospects that had similar hype to what the Reds had entering this year. They would always caution me, John, the normal math is for your ranked prospects, not including the, you know, the, the, the lower tiered guys that don't profile to be major stars for the guys that are top 30 organizational prospects if one out of 3 becomes a regular productive big leaguer not an all-star not a hall of famer just a guy who plays every day or pitches every fifth day and helps the team is an average to above average player you're doing great one out of 3 every young prospect the reds have brought up so far has done incredibly well like th- th- that is a hit rate that is that is unbelievable And when you talk to Sean Pender, who runs the Reds minor leagues, and you bring up guys like Matt McLean, and you bring up guys like Ellie De La Cruz, and you bring up Andrew Abbott, uh, he immediately defers to them. He says, what's the secret sauce? They're really good players who are really smart and have excellent work ethic. Yes, we identify what we want them to be better at, but everybody does. They're able to do it chiefly because they're really good.
1: That brings us to Ellie De La Cruz. And I don't recall a time that a Reds prospect has been just this electrifying and it has been this touted and has been this hyped, but has really, for a large part, lived up to the hype, has really been as advertised. And Ellie arrived on the scene and, you know, a team that was already really starting to be electric was fully electrified at that point. It is, it has just been something I was fortunate enough, John, to be back in Cincinnati when Ellie made his debut. So I was in the ballpark that night and it was, I listen, John, I I know you've been here several years now and I've been around a long time and I don't recall a regular season game at great American ballpark feeling like that game felt that night with Ellie making his debut.
0: Yeah. That's something I've heard from many, Um, you know, perhaps, uh, 2012 is the last such instance of, of that kind of uh, togetherness. But, but many of those that are my friends that have been lifelong Reds fans or associated with the franchise in some way have, have said similar things. And there is something that's not quite quantifiable about the charisma uh, and the complete package uniqueness, the unicorn style of Eli De La Cruz, that he can do everything. And, and I would also say we have not even seen close to the best of him. I, I, you watch what he did at AAA, and I, I spent uh, a decent number of the evenings when Louisville was playing had day games or vice versa. I would try to make time to watch Louisville for everyone, but a lot of it was focused on De La Cruz. And he's going to do even better. Like He has that tool set within him. Already, in I mean, game one, I mean, heck, in his debut, we saw how carefully he was being pitched to. He was being pitched to as if he were already the number one bat in the lineup. And in some ways, uh, you can argue he is. Uh, he does everything. And he does it with, with passion and dynamic athleticism. Yeah, I think Barry put it really well. We were talking some off air during the course of the Rockies game uh, when he forced three pitching errors on pickoff looks during the course of an inning. And he said, this guy makes the opponent look like an amateur team. It looks like a high school or little league game when you know, one kid is just bonkers more athletic than everyone else and speeds you up so significantly physically and mentally that you do silly things. You do the wrong thing. That's what he's capable of doing. On his off days, when he reaches on a fielder's choice, he can still help you win. He's that talented.
1: You know, I don't ever recall seeing a guy leg out uh, a grounder to first base. And we've seen Ellie do things like that. We've seen him, you know, as you're saying, find a way to get on, disrupt to get over, and then a simple fly ball brings him in. We've seen him do this in the minor leagues where – he rope a a shortstop as the throw comes in from the outfield and scores. We've seen him do those kind of things. Uh, I agree with you, John, that we have not begun to come close to seeing some of the things he's going to be capable of doing. Uh, but as we're running out of time here pretty quick, there are a couple things about you I wanted to focus in on. Because, you know, more and more, John, you endear yourself to the Reds Nation. You have become quite the fixture uh, within the fandom. You're so engaging. You know, I know a lot of people may not know, but you've been just so welcoming to me and helpful to me and, you know, sitting down and meeting up with me and spending time talking shop and, and helping me be better. And, and I, I just, while I had you here, I wanted to thank you for that and, and let you know how grateful I am for your friendship and for the mentoring that you do and and for the engagement that you have with all of Ren's fans. I, I just, I really wanted to thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you. It's uh, it's an honor and a privilege to to be able to be in that chair, and uh, it's something that I never take for granted. Uh, I, I really mean it when I say that every game day is a great day. I mean, from the, the first time that I had the, the luck to call Division Three games at my alma mater, I, I fell in love with what we get to do on a regular basis. And uh, th- this is the opportunity of a lifetime, and now to uh, see this franchise begin to realize its glory again – with uh, the, the very likely future of many, many really good years to come with how deep and young they are um, is fantastic. And uh, thank you for your kindness. Uh, and thank you to everybody who watches, who goes to games, who reaches out. Um, I, I love covering Reds baseball. I love interacting with everybody. I love being in that chair.
1: You know, as you do your job, you bring in energy. You know, we've talked about electrifying as far as the team, but some of your calls have really caught fire, especially this season. And I wonder, do you have some scenarios that you have something loaded already? Do you have some things you've come up with that you're kind of sitting on waiting for them to happen? Uh, One example is Ellie De La Cruz's first home run, an absolute moonshot. And I think the call went, oh, my goodness, that ball had a family, something along those lines. It ends up on a T-shirt the next day. Uh, it was really embraced by the fan base. Was that something that you came up with just in the moment? Did you have something a little preloaded? And and how do you generally approach things like that?
0: Uh, that was entirely in the moment. Uh, the The only times there are times where I I do have a rough outline or idea of what I want to say. Um, And the only times I've ever done that have not been with the Reds yet. Um, They've been when I've worked nationally calling championship scenarios. So if I'm doing, you know, uh, uh, UConn's uh, longest uh, winning streak in college basketball history is on the line against Mississippi State. I have a structure of a call idea ready. If UConn wins and goes to the championship game. And if UConn loses and Mississippi State pulls off the upset, Um, I often have an idea of that doing Army Navy. I have an idea of that uh, when I'm doing an NFL playoff game Uh, because I kind of know the bigger underpinnings that can adjust. Like as the game goes along, there might be some sequence or moment or play that supersedes it. And then so that I pivot to that or, or the final play is something so significant that that kind of encapsulates it instead. Um, but no, with the Reds, I've, I've not yet done that. Um, you know, a lot of people had asked when I first took the job if I had a signature home run call. I haven't. I still don't. I, I'm, I'm open to the idea. Like, I'm not saying – and there are people who do it that, you know, it's beloved by their fan base. It really works for them. But for me, each moment is different, and I, I try to treat that moment individually. Um, I may come across something like that at some point. I haven't ruled that out, but I haven't yet. And like that particular call was, I mean, that, that's just what I saw. I mean, he, <laughs> like when Lark and I are just talking and he hit it so stunningly hard. I mean, that was like a, an eyebrow raising, like, oh my goodness, did you just see that? Like mouth agape kind of sensation uh, that I had seen on video. I'd watched some of Ellie. I mean, he, he had even more impressive home runs in the minor leagues, but I'd never seen it in person. And seeing it in person is just different.
1: I believe that Ellie De La Cruz is going to be the first player to hit a ball into the river on the fly. We've seen him go in the water on the bounce, never on the fly, and I think he's going to be the first one to do it. So go ahead and get that call preloaded, John. Start thinking about that because I think it's going to happen. Uh, Listen, I know we're about out of time. I want to give you one more question. This is a question when we do these conversations that I always ask the minor leaguers because you never know what you're going to get, and I'm going to throw it at you uh, to wrap things up today. And that is this. Uh, You've done a lot of podcasts now. You've done a lot of availability. You've had a lot of conversations uh, surrounding the Reds and, uh, and yourself and engaging this fan base. I wonder, John, is there something that you love to talk about that you never get a question about that you would like to talk about right now?
0: Hmm. Um, I, I probably don't get asked a lot about... Uh, uh, there's a lot of things that pique my interest that are outside the purview of what the normal job is. And I, I would say some combination of like video games and uh, and comic books, graphic novels. Those are two other major passions of mine that I really enjoy. I'm playing Jedi Survivor on PS5 and uh, the new Zelda game, on, uh, on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, and I love how those kind of games, um, you know, the uh, Horizon series, uh, the God of War series, they're, they're great storytelling. Um, you know, we have reached an era where the writing within that genre has gotten so good And they have such outstanding actors performing in those roles and the artists that render everything. And the vision of the creators are so thorough that you wind up with 50 to sometimes a hundred plus hours of entertainment. That is almost a cinema-like engagement that's stretched over that span of time that you're, you're really in, like you're pivoting that character. You are deciding what to do. Um, That, that is really, really thrilling. And uh, that, 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 probably is part of it that's a, a big part of the culture of my boyhood reading electronic gaming monthly um having nintendo power subscription and uh kind of graduating up with each system that that i connect with on other some other fans on twitter from time to time i'll put up some video game related stuff i occasionally make references in the broadcast um but and that's something that we see with players a lot um yeah, i saw it throughout my time in the minors particularly by the time i got to AAA with the yankees you know, Aaron Judge had his PlayStation case on the bus every single day, and those guys created their own little LAN, and they were playing against each other constantly, and a lot of these Reds do the same thing. Tony Sancion is a huge video game player. Graham Ashcraft brings his PlayStation with him on most of the road trips, uh, but that's probably another part of my life that I really, really love, um, and it'd be my dream to one day be a voice in a video game. Uh, that, that would be really cool.
1: Oh, we need to find a way to make that happen. We'll start the. We're going to start the online campaign right now, John. That is going to happen. And I will tell you, it is a good thing that Jeff Carr is not here today because we would have a whole nother thirty minutes with all the things that you just brought up. Because he is much like you in that regard. I have to. I have to tone him down on his Star Wars references all the time. So uh, that would. That's going to be a whole off-season show. I think that we'll do. We'll do a, a outside. Uh, foul territory with jeff and you guys can just talk video games and comic books but listen john i am so thankful for you being here Uh, again you know it it, i truly mean it i appreciate the the level of engagement and what you give to us and what you give to the fans uh we're so lucky to have you here and and have you step into this role as the voice of the reds on television Uh, i can't wait to do this again i always look forward to it thank you so much for for the time you've given us today
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. And I love your shirt, man. Aloha.
1: All right. Aloha.
0: (laughs) Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.